It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash EMC. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast on a victory Monday, I guess. A lot to get to. Joe Goodberry coming up in 30 seconds. We're on iTunes, the iHeartRadio app, and no longer on Audio Boom. So if you followed on Audio Boom, listened on that, I'm sorry. Transitioned over to Megaphone. Com. So great to have you in. Um, something I wrote about that Joe's mentioned in, Cordy Glenn. Go after him, Bengals. Check that out, LockedOnBengals.com. Wrote about it last night while the World Series was going on. On Twitter, at LockedOnBengals, by the way. And Joe joins us every single week for our weekly film review. And a lot to discuss. The Bengals obviously won 24-23. Joe is on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Joe, it feels like a loss to me. It felt like a loss in the stadium counts as a win how are you feeling overall about what you saw yesterday yeah it feels like a loss because you know it's part of the evaluation process when you play a bad team um you want to not only see a win you want to see a comfortable win you want to see one where they where the team looks proficient in any area you want to see them um you know put a put a stamp on whatever identity this team has which i think we're still looking for and uh, they were unable to do that. And, and it, I mean, we're sitting here fourth quarter and, what, seven minutes to go, and they're losing. And, and this offense couldn't muster anything for the most part. So at this point, the, the Colts have the ball, and you feel like, yeah, this team is going to lose, man. They're going to lose to the Colts. And this, you look at the Colts roster and compare it to the Bengals, no comparison. I don't know what position you would take on the Colts over the Bengals, to be honest with you. And yet here they are losing. And – uh, so it wasn't for Carlos Dunlap, and you know you need those. You need your really good players to make a play, and and in the crunch times, and that's what he did, and they won because of it. Uh, but again, you went through most of that game feeling really bad about this team. Joe, let, let's start with the offensive line because I think Bengals fans in general start there. And I've well, well, we'll get into Andy Dalton in a second. I don't want to make this about Andy Dalton. Let's look at the offensive line. I think it was their worst performance since Week One. What did you see when you looked at the film? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, not because before it's been up and down with either it's pass blocking or this week it's run blocking. Uh, I think this week they had trouble with with both. Obviously, uh, when all your running backs are averaging less than two and a half yard carry, um, and the holes just aren't there, they're not moving anybody. And this is this is not a good Colts defensive front seven at all. Uh, and they failed to push anybody out of the way. They failed to move anybody. They failed to block in the second level. Um, and, and in pass pro, it wasn't just guys getting beat. It was allowing free rushers way too often. And yeah. then some of that falls on Dalton, too, because of pre-snap, and you got to know who's coming and who's not. But since Russell Bodine has been the center, they have been beaten by stunts and loops back inside, and the guy comes free way too often. 
and they're just slow to react. The communication's poor between them, and I don't think the rotation helps that at all. Uh, so when I look at it, I just I do think this is the worst performance across the board. Um, even guys like Clint Bowling, who I think has been getting better as the season's gone on, uh, there's a few plays on one plays I thought they had a chance, and I see him he tripped over nobody, and and not to single him out because he is their best offensive lineman, but. Um, everyone took a turn. That's the point. Everyone took a turn making a, a, a mistake or a bad play. He's Joe Goodberry. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. So my thoughts, and I, I text you. I, I reached out to a former NFL quarterback as well that was watching the game and watches every single game because, look, I, I know I'm not an expert, but I have my observations, and then I reach out to people I trust. To me, as big of a deal as the offensive line is, Andy Dalton wasn't good yesterday, and I've other people that I work with here in Cincinnati say, oh, well, yeah, look at his quarterback rating. He's 17 of 29, two touchdowns, didn't turn the ball over. The best thing Andy Dalton did yesterday was not turn the ball over in my mind, um, which, which doesn't say much. I know he was under duress, but when you watched Andy Dalton, what did you see? I want to start with that last point that, yeah, he didn't turn the ball over, and he didn't. And, in fact, there's been other games where he's had better games, and he's threw, what, maybe one, maybe two, sometimes three passes where you say, man, that could have that could have been picked off or that could have turned the tide of the game. I think almost every game this year we've had that. Um, he didn't have any of those this week. And part of that is because he did not force any throws. He didn't force it. And I'm saying this positively and negatively. There's times where you have to force it into a tight window. You're going to have to force it to a guy that's covered and, and, and hope he makes the catch. You have to trust your receiver to, to get open or throw him open. Um, uh, so when, I'm, when I watch and I see him want to break the pocket or leave the pocket or hold the ball, our first assumption is nobody's open or he didn't see the coverage or a free rusher came into his face or the offensive line failed. I think it also falls on Dalton on those, on those situations because he is not – seeing things clearly right now, and that's pre-snap and post-snap. There was a lot of free rushers, guys up from the corner, from the slot, back inside the late rushers. A lot of those fall on Andy Dalton on being able to pick them up pre-snap, either adjusting pre-snap or, or making them pay for, for having less guys in coverage. He was, an un, he was unable to do that almost all game. Um, and, and so when I, when I watch it, and I watch it again today, I'm thinking, how many plays does he get to his, the, the top of his drop, that last foot hits, and he wants to bail the pocket without any pressure, or when guys are open and he just misses the throw because his feet aren't set. And there was a lot of them. And then, and then a lot of plays with three rushers. Again, I'm going to keep harping on that because I thought that was really where the Colts won um, uh, in, in, in this battle. And so when I look at it, I say you have to start forcing some balls. You've got to start throwing some into coverage. And I look at the Jacoby Brissett touchdown to Jack Doyle. Um, where puts it is high and, and a little bit back inside so Doyle can make the catch where Williams almost doesn't have a chance to get his arm up there, but he's covered. And, and you've got to trust your guy. You've got to throw it into coverage. And if you can have pinpoint placement, a lot of times you can you can help your receiver get open at the last second there. And um, he we don't see that. We don't see him do that often. The one touchdown throw to Malone I thought was was a nice play. You see pre-snap, you got middle of the field open. The free rushers come again, and he throws it to a spot. Now that post is probably supposed to go to the back of the end zone. He gets hit and ends up in the front of the end zone. No one's there to, to, to defend it. So it ends up working in his favor. But I want to see more of those. Throw it in the face of coverage. Don't run. Don't bail the pocket. Um, trust your pre-snap read. Trust that the receiver is going to get open and adjust and make a play. And so there was a couple positive plays. I think there was 10 or 12 bad plays and he had to throw it away a lot and a lot of that wasn't just because of pressure it's because he was seeing 
ghosts. He was seeing coverage that wasn't there. He was he wasn't being able to get it to receivers that were open. A few plays against uh, for AJ Green, Dalton could not get him the ball, and it's it was pretty frustrating. I don't think this was a good game, even if the statistics may suggest that. I think overall um, he wasn't good enough, and they should have lost because of it. Joe, so so let's discuss then, because there, there's going to be the old debate. Oh, is it Andy Dalton's fault? Is it the offensive line's fault? My logic is it can be both. Look, the, the Bengals be. are dealing with two weaknesses. Their quarterback is average. At best, he's below average right now because the offensive line sucks. You know, we see good quarterbacks all the time still able to, to make it thrive with a bad offensive line. It doesn't seem like Dalton has a shot in hell to do that especially moving forward when you look at that Jacksonville defense? I would say every Bengals fan, go watch yesterday's 4 o'clock game, you know, if you're on the East Coast time. Um, go watch the Texans and the Seahawks. And those are two bad offensive lines. And, yes, those quarterbacks have a little bit of mobility, but you'll see a lot of plays where they don't use that mobility. And they find ways to move around during pressure with, with traffic at their feet stepping up in the pocket and then making a throw. You don't have to bail the pocket just because there's pressure. You can slide left and right. You can step up and avoid pressure. Um, there's a lot of things you can do to, to mitigate a bad offensive line, but the line is affecting a lot of plays. I think it's a bad mix, a bad combo. We knew Andy Dalton didn't you know, function well um, with pressure in his face. We know that when the play breaks down, he's not at his best. He's a rhythm passer. He's a timing passer. He needs everything to be correct, pre-snap, post-snap read, in order to keep this offense on time and, 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 and know where he's going with the ball so he's comfortable. Once he's outside of the system, once he has to do something that's outside of the norm, that's when he looks like a much worse player. And I think the bad offensive line creates chaos, and in return, we're seeing the worst of Andy Dalton. So I think it's a terrible mix. While we can be, we are allowed to be bad, mad at the at the quarterback. We're allowed to be mad at the offensive line. But let's not forget the coaching staff that hasn't really done well uh, hiding the offensive line and management that allowed this bad offensive line to be what it is right now. Knowing your quarterback is probably going to struggle in these scenarios. If you're honest, you knew that that Dalton was going to struggle. So. Um, you know, it, again, we should be mad at everyone. We can't just point the blame at one person at this point. This is Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car that's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out, the nation's fastest growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. This is the Locked On Bengals podcast. We're joined every single week by Joe Goodberry for our weekly Bengals film review. Joe, let's switch sides of the ball. Let's get into the defense. And I thought the defense was okay. Obviously, they came up with the biggest plays of the game. Carlos Dunlap bails them out. But ultimately, I don't think the defense was as dominant as, as I expected them to be. Obviously, the Colts might have played a little better. But overall, as a whole, what did you see from the Bengals' defense? 
Right. I feel the same way. They were just okay. Um, good enough to win, bad enough to lose, I think. Um, so it, it really will. I don't think the game fell on their shoulders either way. Uh, now they, they put it, they put it in their hands by Carlos Dunlap coming up with that big play there at the end. Uh, but the pass rush wasn't as good as, as it's been. Brissett can move. And I think he got away from a few sacks. And I think that was a difference on, on a few plays. Um, Jack Doyle, for some reason, just kept getting open. The zone defense, he found the holes. When it was man, Brissett trusted him, and he made a couple of really nice catches. Um, I think just besides that, I thought Dark was Denard on, on T.Y. Hilton a lot in the slot. Uh, Denard played pretty well. He got lucky with a few drops by Aiken. Um, one, I guess you can consider, was a drop from Hilton. Uh, William Jackson was beat deep, but then recovered and made a fantastic play. Uh, so I, I think there was plays there. I think they got a lot of help by the Colts being a bad team and being, you know, not really dangerous at running back, not really being dangerous at, at any other position besides T.Y. Hilton. Um, they just, they probably said, you know, if you're going to beat us, it's not going to be with Hilton and it's going to have to be with somebody else. And they methodically were able to run the ball and consistently make someone miss. Um, and then Jack Doyle with the difference. So, Again, I think they were good enough to win, but bad enough to lose. It was going to come down to the offense, I think, the whole time. I thought this could have been a game where you hold the opponent to 10 points or so, and uh, they just didn't They didn't have that game. Yeah, and, and I think about just the game in general, and I think it turned early on in, in, with all the plays that happened. First quarter, Bengals, first drive, they take it down and they kick a field goal. Then they get the ball back, they're up 3 nothing. Get get the ball in the red zone, and they don't cash in. They have the block field goal. Don't score a touchdown on either red zone opportunity. To me, if you score there, if you get a touchdown there, make it 10 nothing. maybe it's 14 nothing. then you, you put your foot on the throat of a team that is uh, the only two wins it's had were against teams that haven't won a game. That, that's 2-5 and five reeling after losing 27 nothing. And, and the interesting thing to me about that little sequence of plays of those two red zone opportunities to me, Joe, A.J. Green only got one target, and it was a throwaway that I don't really count yep. as a target. That cannot happen, period. And, and I don't understand why it's so tough. Like, John Ross didn't play, which we'll get into in a second, r- really. Josh Malone, obviously, he had a nice play, but he's not a red zone threat. Outside of A.J. Green, who's your go-to? Like, it's A.J., and it, you're not going to be successful in the red zone if he's not option one and two to me. Yeah, and you're right about the sequence, that first quarter, really. As we've seen all year, the Bengals, their script, their game plan that they put together going into the week has been solid. They they will score on those first couple drives. Um, we've seen against good teams, against the Steelers, against the Packers. They will come out, and they can put up 10 to 14 points on those first couple drives, those first three drives or so. They were in position. I think the first three drives showed that their offense can function. Um, it's just you when you end up with a field goal, uh, uh, a block field goal, and then when you get in the ball back a third time now, um, Erickson fumbles the punt, it put them in a hole. It put them to where now we know after those first few drives, after midway through the second quarter, this offense has been bad in this year. I mean, they, they can't make adjustments. They don't, they're not winning with just pure talent. They're not winning just based off of scheme. They just have to get lucky, to be honest with you. And so when they got into this hole here and it's 10-10 at halftime, you really didn't feel like they were going to score too many points after that. Not getting the ball to green, not forcing the ball to green has been the most frustrating thing all year. As we've seen when they've had bad offenses, let's go back to 2016 also. The offense goes as A.J. Green goes. If he's going to end up with 30 yards in a game, I I will guess that they lost, probably nine nine times out of ten. If he's going to have 120 yards, 
I feel pretty confident that they're going to win that game, and because he's going to be most of their offense. Um, not getting the ball, not scheming him the ball, and I think there's a few plays that were there for him to to end up with every target. I feel like he was open. They rarely threw to him in coverage or in the plays or plays where you felt like, all right, Green, I'm going to throw it up. You make a play on it. It's been a while now since we've had since we've seen Green have to moss somebody or go up above somebody, make a play in coverage. Um, I think I want to say week two against the Texans, that one thrown over the middle with three guys on him, mm-hmm. and he made a play. They just don't do it enough. It, it's it's kind of crazy to say. Uh, I think most good offenses wouldn't say we want to throw it into coverage despite it being our best guy. But when your offense is bad, I think it's time to start throwing it into coverage and letting your wide receiver make a play on the ball. And they're they're just not doing that right now. I thought there was a deep, um, which looked like kind of like a, a, a post-corner route where he ended up one-on-one with a safety. The telecast showed it, and he was visibly frustrated. I mean, Dalton's got to let that one go. You got one-on-one with a safety. We've seen it. I'm thinking of the Matt Elam in coverage for the Ravens like a few years ago where that's the same exact play, and Green gets it, and it's a touchdown. I just don't know why they're not looking deep. I don't know why they're not trusting to throw it. And, and people will say, well, you need an offensive line to throw it deep. Yes, you do. But you also need your quarterback to hang in the pocket, step up, and make that throw, and he might get crushed. But I think that's worth the touchdown because you're getting crushed anyways. This is the Locked on Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine. We do this every single week with Joe Goodberry. Joe, let's let's dive in here to, to something that you, you and I, it's very clear that we believe that John Ross can help this team, help this offense. I don't want to say I was surprised that he wasn't a part of the game plan, even though I, I still was, but, but just knowing the history of this team and what Marvin does. But how frustrating is it to, to see that? Because now the John Ross is a bust people, like they're in full swing. They're like, oh, he can't even get on the field even though he's healthy. Your thoughts on John Ross only playing six snaps yesterday? I don't know. At this point, you know, it's just so frustrating because, yes, they're playing rookies right now in the season, especially on defense. Um, They've had to rely on a lot of rookies. But I think the narrative that Marvin doesn't like to play rookies is real. And I think when you see his comments that, you know, I forget John Ross is a first-round pick. (laughs) You do, huh? Because he was the ninth pick. You stuck your neck out with a guy that you know had an injury history. And, and there was, like, reports, remember, that they said if they felt they got Mixon and Ross, this offense could be, could be unstoppable. Yeah. Think about that now. <laughs> Think about that now as we're watching. That's a good offense. point. My God. Yeah, they, they were. that was like the dream scenario and the one that made remember, sense to us. Yep. Oh, yep. damn. And, and now here we are, <laughs> and... They're not using Ross, or seem to be unaware of what he could offer to the team, I think. And, you know, the, 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 the bittersweet part of this is Josh Malone got to play. And we shouldn't forget Malone just because Ross is the number nine pick. If they would have spent the fourth-round pick on the second-fastest receiver that has size and speed, I think we would have been happy in either scenario if they didn't take Ross at nine. So for a second, we should say, you know, we're happy Malone's playing, and he had two catches, a touchdown. If that was Ross in that same scenario and had the same performance, we'd be high-fiving over the Internet right now. But instead, it was Ross, and they seem to have no idea how to use him. And I think that's the most frustrating and alarming part of it. Um, you can't get deep. The Colts have been deep, beaten deep more than any team in the league by far, and, and almost at a record-setting pace. And you still can't get the ball deep. The only pass over 20 yards was the one to Malone, which, again, we're happy for. But because it's not Ross, it makes you wonder. It does start to creep. Even we're we may be his biggest defenders, you you and I, James. But it even starts to creep in your mind of is he not healthy? You know, is, is he not as good as we thought? Mm-hmm. But then you you look at this team, you look at Marvin's comments, and you start to go, no, 
he, I just don't believe they have an idea of what he can do or what their weaknesses or limitations are on offense. I think most people would say, yes, offensive line's bad. Quarterback is limited. Number three, they don't have speed on offense, and they don't have anybody that can get deep. Okay, well, that's what John Ross does. <laughs> it, took this long to get, it, it took this long to get Josh Malone on the field. Yeah. And he was practicing and healthy, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. We watched Cody Core run out there and get no catches all year. He still hasn't had to catch. I know he's hurt right now, but he hasn't had a catch yet this year. And now you find a way to get Malone on the field. He has two catches and a touchdown. You know, I think we're still a couple weeks away from, from, from John Ross really making an impact. And that's sad to say because by that time, the season might be over. Because this offense right now, if you're putting up 17 points a game, you're not going to win. And I, I just think, you know what it kind of feels like? It kind of feels like 20. 2010, when they came off a playoff season, they added Terrell Owens, they added a few other guys. They, you felt like the roster was really good. And then they show up, and they're just dysfunctional on offense. Um, and yeah. and the, the, the coaching staff doesn't really know what they're doing. You have some injuries, and it kind of ruins your offense at the same time. Um, and here they are, and it just – seeing the look on A.J. Green's face of frustration, I think it tells the story for me because um, – you have to think, even Ross right now has to be doubting himself. It, he, rookies get real fragile. They're coming into the league. They feel real good about themselves. He's the number nine pick. His confidence is probably real high. You get hurt, a guy who's had injuries probably knocks him down a little bit. And then the coach acts like he doesn't even realize you're good. And then you you practice all week. You're probably feeling good about yourself. And they play it for six snaps and throw you one ball. Ask you to block on one play when you're 180 pounds soaking wet, it looks like. And you kind of go, man, um, how can I help this team? I, you know, what can I do to help a team that's struggling on offense? It, it has to happen. It's going to happen. I believe it will. Um, I just the team's allowing us to to doubt them and, and doubt John Ross. Yeah, Joe. It's just to me, it made no sense. Like even moving forward now, like the Jaguars have two lockdown corners because I, I get it. They didn't feel. Let's say they didn't feel like they needed to to put John Ross at risk at all. Yesterday. Fine. Oh, I guess I get that. But don't you want him to have some kind of confidence when he's going to have to go up against, if you decide to play him, A.J. Bouye or however the hell you say his name, and the, the fourth pick, um, I forget his name, uh, Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey. But like yeah. those guys are going to take A.J. Green out of the game. And the, yeah. the, the fact that I'm going to have to watch Brandon LaFell lumber across the middle and try <laughs> to get open is ridiculous to me. And it didn't have to be that way, and it doesn't. But it's probably going to because, oh, John Ross is bad. There's no way. He didn't just get bad. You know, he. you watch the film. Anyone that's watched him knows he could add something that this offense doesn't have. He's not bad. He has natural ability. It's not just speed. He's quick. He's agile. His acceleration is off the charts. He's got very good ball tracking. Um, he's really, really good after the catch, obviously, with that athleticism. But he, as you can see, as a kick returner, and when he does get plays, uh, you know, screen. Have we seen a wide receiver screen yet this year? Can I at least get that from John Ross or, or, or A.J. Green speaking of? But, you know, he can help. That, there's no doubt in my mind he can help this team. Um, so I, I think fans are jumping the gun, obviously, if they're calling him a bust already. But, you know, uh, Ramsey and Bouye are for real. And this <laughs> pass rush is crazy. And they just added Marcel Darius. So, and Mer Darius only got his one sack this year against the Bengals. Um, but th this is a real good defense against, against the Jaguars. It's going to be LaFell in the slot 
Croft at linebacker, and oh, they have two, the, probably the two most athletic linebackers uh, as a unit in Miles Jack and Telvin Smith. Um, so that'll be interesting. They're going to have to find a way to run the ball. If anything, if there's a way you can beat the Jags that's running the ball, and right now with mixing averaging two yards per carry, I don't feel very good about it. Yeah, Joe, one more for you here because it's interesting. I text you, hell, I think I text you Friday night, and I, I, it wasn't my revelation. It had been tossed around there. But the idea that the Bengals could upgrade the offensive line, because they're not going to swap out Andy. There's no Deshaun Watson growing out trees out there that they can get, even though every draft I say and you say that they should consider looking at quarterbacks, and they don't do that. But they have a chance to upgrade the offensive line. A player that you watched up in uh, Buffalo plenty is Cordy Glenn, and he's reportedly on the block. I, I wrote about him. For LockedOnBengals.com, if you want to check that out, guys, by the way. But, uh, Joe, what have you seen from him, and what would you do, or what would you be willing to give up, and how big of an upgrade would he be from the guys that they do have? First, how big of an upgrade? I think Cordy Glenn is a top six, top eight left tackle in the league. Um, so, for me, yeah, you try and get a guy like that. And he's still young. He's got three years left on his deal. Very manageable. The the the, the contract is laid out very similar to, to, to the way the Bengals like contracts anyways. So for them, it's not a big deal. It's about $9 million a year, uh, which they wanted to spend on Whitworth, and he Whitworth obviously got more. Um, so for me, it fits. They could fit the cap this year, too, mm-hmm. um, which, which not every team could do. But Cody Glenn, he is a long-armed guy that you thought – Probably moves to right tackle, probably plays guard in the NFL. If it reminds you of somebody, it sounds like what Andrew Whitworth had to deal with. But he became very technically sound. Uh, he's got light feet. He's got a wide body to go around in pass protection. He rarely lights up anything. He played against Khalil Mack in, in, the, in the Raiders this week, did not allow one pressure, one hit, one sack on the quarterback. He is, and he's just getting healthy now. So he's just played the last two weeks, rotation last week. He started all this week and, and played really well. Um, he would be a huge upgrade. The, it sounds like the Bills want a second-round pick. You have to say, okay, let's look forward as, as the Bengals. Um, is he worth a second-round pick to you? Do you say, I want to take an offensive lineman in the first round, which right now they're picking top ten? Uh, you may want to, but looking ahead at the draft, I'm not sure there's going to be an offensive lineman that's, that's really there or, or worthy of that pick. It's going to be, I think it's going to be pretty slim pickings in the first round for, for alignment. But in the second round, there's going to be a lot of guys. So, you have to consider, do I want to give up that pick that's probably going to be an offensive lineman for Cordy Glenn, who we know is good, who's on the other side of 25 when comparing to a rookie uh, and is making significantly more money. Um, I think it's worth it. I think it could help your team this year. I think it can help for the next, obviously, three years. So um, for me, I would consider where are the Bengals surplus at? Where where could they move McCarron? Would the Bills be interested? Probably not. Um, would the Bills be interested in Jeremy Hill? Maybe, probably, probably not, and if it was, it'd probably be for, for very low value at this point. I think the Bengals may have an opportunity to move Darquez Denard. Now, I don't think they will, but think about it. He's playing the best he ever has. Uh, he's got, he, looks, he looks really good. Honestly, I'd like to keep him, but <laughs> the Bengals have a history of not paying corners, and, and I say that, and I, they always pay one. You think of Leon Hall, Johnson, Joseph, and they'll say, well, we can't afford the second guy. Um, they're paying Drake Kirkpatrick right now. I don't think, well, you know, Jackson with three more years, he'll eventually pick up his fifth-year option, uh, being that third year that third year on the contract. Um, you have to say Jackson will be paid if he keeps going the way he is. They won't pay Darquez Denard at that point. So Denard may only have two years left in Cincinnati, and, and then he'll walk away. I think 
for me, you have Josh Shaw in the back uh, that can play nickel. You have um, Pac-Man right now that's in a rotation if you find a guy who can slide inside. Um, I think Kavari Russell can help this team. So they have the depth there, and Buffalo could use a corner right now. EJ Gaines is hurt. They've got Leonard Johnson as the nickel guy. Uh, they play a lot of zone. They, they, they like physical guys that can tackle. I think Darkwood Denard fits that. So for me, if you say I can give up Denard and maybe a fourth, fifth-round pick, um, to me, I think that's worth it. I mean, we're playing fantasy football here, just even discussing it. Cause yeah. And I don't think the Bengals will do it. I can't remember it at uh, all. I was thinking about. I can't remember an in-season trade they've made outside of the Carson Palmer deal. Period. Right, right. And they were almost forced to do that. Yeah. And now they have made trades, so I can't be completely unfair. You know, they traded for Chris Smith. They traded Ben A. Ben Wickery. Um, there's been trades in the past with Brian Leonard and, and Reggie Nelson, things like that. So they have done trades, and for the most part, they have worked out for them. I think this is a big time trade, big money trade that good teams will make, whether that be the Texans, whether that be the Seahawks. It seems like those teams are really trying to get in on Cody Glenn, uh, and I think it's that's a smart move to make. Yeah, and I, I hope they do. I hope they at least make the call. Who knows what the asking price really is, but let's just say you had to give up a second, a fourth, and Cody Core. Right, let's just say that. The second round pick and the fourth round pick aren't probably helping you as much as a left tackle is this year, and moving forward, and I, I think the importance of locking up that left tackle spot for Andy's prime, it, it's just, it makes so much sense. Andy's 30, turned 30 yesterday. Why not get a guy who's going to be in his prime along with AJ and Andy? It makes too much sense. And you have to, you have to think, they may need four new offensive linemen next year yeah. if, if Clint Bowling's your one guy that you can count on. Um, that leads me to think you're two years away because this team's not active in free agency. They're not going to go get – they may get a, a fill-in replacement, starter-level guy, but they're not going to get a really good offensive lineman in free agency. So you may be two years away from completely rebuilding this O-line. Where's the window at that point? Where's Dalton in his career at that point? Where's Green at that point? I think if you really want to say the window is still open or you really still believe in the current guys, meaning mostly Dalton – you go and get a veteran like a Cordy Glenn, and you seal up that spot. Uh, and then you still can draft a, a third-round guard, and he can end up starting for you. Uh, remember, they're going to end up with a third-round pick for Kevin Zeitler. They're probably going to end up with a fifth, I believe, because Whitworth is over 30 years old. Uh, a fifth for Whitworth. Um, so they're going to get some more picks back. And you turn those two picks you're getting into offensive linemen, maybe you take a center somewhere. And, and But that's why I'd like to keep my second-rounder if possible. Um, but, again, I think it's – the upgrade is there, and it's worth it. Think of who they've spent second-round picks on uh, the last few years. Joe Mixon, obviously a great talent, but then the year before that was Tyler Boyd. So yep. could you live without a Tyler Boyd? Could Tyler Boyd be even be part of this um, scenario for the Bills and to get Cordy Glenn? I think, you know, I think the overall point here is that you hope the team is at least considering it, even if it is, nah, we can't make this move, we want our resources. I hope they're at least entertaining the idea. Agree. Agreed completely. I would much rather have proven Cordy Glenn for the next three years over unproven tackle from Alabama. That's just me, but uh, he's Joe Goodberry on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Joe, this was fun. We'll do this next Tuesday. I'll actually, I'm going to Jacksonville, so I, I get to watch what I hope to be is a good game, but I'm not optimistic about it after yesterday. That's right. They're on Monday night, aren't they? No, oh, no. I just won't be back in town until. Oh, okay. That's uh, never mind. Oh my yeah. God! Could you imagine? I hope they're not yeah, on Monday night. That would be way you know, worse, you, Joe. Oh, good God! When you said that, I was like, "Are they on Monday night, man?" If they are, against the Jags, oh my God, it's gonna be embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, not Monday night, but uh, yeah, man. Hopefully, we're we're talking about. I think. Let, let me run this by you real quick before I let you go. I think if they go two and one on this road trip, and they're even five and five going into Cleveland, they have a puncher's chance at the playoffs. Sure. If you look around the AFC, there's nobody really standing out, and you know, outside of the top few teams. And I think even though Buffalo is like five and two, Buffalo Bengals have the tiebreaker on them. Uh, Buffalo has some games. They still haven't played the Patriots yet, so uh, you might as well chalk them up at five and four right now. Um, so yeah, I, I think a wild card spot is still in the realm of possibility if we can get the Ravens to stop winning somehow. Yeah, yeah. Good luck with that one. I I, I don't know how they're winning. By the way, they're not even that good, but it happens. Neither are the Bengals. He's Joe Goodberry. Give him a follow on Twitter. Joe, as always, man, I appreciate the time. Thanks, James. Great stuff from Joe, as always. Man, that's always fun. And we don't plan on agreeing, by the way. Just so you know, zero plan. Zero plan there at all. We just kind of say, all right, let's go in this this direction. We'll see if we agree, disagree. Seems like most of the time we agree. Can John Ross get a ball? I just want to know that. If if I'm in Jacksonville this week. If John Ross doesn't get a catch, I think I'm just going to enjoy the Florida weather. I think that's what I should do. It's like 75 there. I'm going to visit my cousin. It's like 75. It's freaking cold here. I have my heat on. On Twitter, at James Rapine, at Locked on Bengals. Check out, I, I wrote all about Cordy Glenn, in-depth stuff, cap stuff, why they should do it, etc. So check that out, LockedOnBengals.com. Give me a follow on Twitter. We moved a megaphone, so make sure you check it out there. iTunes iHeartRadio app and Megaphone as well. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Locked on Bengals podcast. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.